Hey, Marcus. Yo. Do you like movies? Yes, I do, bro. Oh, me too, bro. This is Zebras in America Cinema Podcast. Uh, Podcast de Pelicula, episode 134. Um, recording live from the quarantine compound, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, I can't. I'm not doing that anymore. Oh, cool. I wonder... When do you, at what point do does it become problematic to do English accents? I don't know. My my answer to that is like I got other stuff to think about, and I don't think even they care that much. Okay. Uh, like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's like I, I I don't care. I don't think they care. Well, that's that's good. And I feel like nine times out of ten, most people can't do a good English accent, so even if it's considered insulting, you're making fun of, you're clowning yourself by doing a bad accent. So it kind of right. works out. You know? Okay. Yeah. Word. So, how, what have you been up to lately? Oh, man. So, what I've been up to lately, always, you know, doing stuff for uh, Finland Empire. I recently did... Uh, the second or third uh, virtual Kevin Geeks Out uh, a couple weeks ago, so that was fun. Um, and I'm just kind of prepping for TIFF. Uh, we got stuff where it's just like, um, I'm going to be covering that uh, on this very podcast you're listening to here. Obviously, I'm going to be writing about it on Pinland Empire and a couple of other things for like a couple of o- other sites, pretty much like I do every year. I, I've if you follow me on Twitter, uh, I've been keeping my... I, even though TIFF is not going to be in Toronto for me this year because of obvious reasons, COVID, uh, right. I'm still excited to see a couple of, of, of movies, specifically the new yeah. Chloe Zhao and the Thomas Vinterberg uh, films. But what turns out is, you know, and I'm sure there's a reason, but a lot of critics and a lot of folks are getting turned down for covering TIFF this year. And to some degree, it's like I kind of feel bad because even though I'm, I'm sure there's a seniority aspect to it, like this is my tenth year of, of covering TIFF. There's like film, there's like film critics who like are you know known and actually make regular. Well, not not these days, you know, but like it's their thing. Like they're actual film critic. Like I'm not just a film critic, so you, it makes no, me feel a little an, guilty. Just you're like, an oh, actual no, yo, chill. You know? You're an actual film critic. True. Yeah. True. So don't even like. If you want to debate whether I'm an actual film critic, I'm willing to debate that. I'm yeah. not willing to debate whether you're an actual film oh. critic. Well, you are. I, I appreciate And that. also, you know, there are film critics who probably, like, can afford to pay for this stuff. And then there's people who are having more trouble of paying for this stuff. So, yeah, like, you know, I don't, I don't really know... Like the, you're, they're providing you with tickets, or they're making it difficult for people to watch movies. What's what's going no, on? No, they're making it difficult for people. Even no, no, no. I'm talking about getting like your press pass, like which you have to pay yeah. for. And even if you, the critic, whatever publication, someone has to pay for it. But people right. aren't even getting that. I'm talking about people aren't even getting the ability to get access to get like a press pass. They're just like cutting it off at a certain amount of people. Like that's what it, which which is really and it's like virtual screening, so it's kind of like no, what, what, what's, why, are, is, why so why so because I because there's bandwidth issues. I think someone said um, that someone did say like it was a call like every every click of something 
has to be paid for, but you know, but yeah. which I guess that's a good point. You know, fair enough. So um, like, I'm not, I'm not saying like I do know, I have a friend who's working on another big film festival mm. that's going to be virtual, and it it would almost be better if they could just give out as much as they could. Right. But the way this is working and to protect from piracy and to protect from stuff is that, yeah, every click needs to be accounted for. Right. And so even though that does create some exclusion, I mean, you know, I, I was eventually one of these years going to go with you to, to Toronto. Mm-hmm. But for me, it would be about the experience, not necessarily just like watching the movies because my bandwidth, like emotional, not not like my actual computer, my emotional bandwidth to watch movies these days is not what it used to be. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense. A lot of people have been saying that. I'm quite the opposite, but I totally get it. Especially, there's, there's been a couple of movies that I've watched since, you know, these, God, it sounds so crazy to say, these five to six months, where it, some of them are just like, oh man, I wish I could have experienced this, you know, in, 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 in the theater. It does make a difference. Um, it yeah. You know, depending on like, the movie, but you know, most of the time it is like it does. You know, no, it, it like totally. It's totally like annoying that a lot of things that people were really excited about. There are way more annoying things like the the fact that the country is on fire in like literal and figurative ways. That's much bigger than not being yeah. able to go to the movie theater, but... I mean, look, the less than $500 I now get a week is going to, you know, run out eventually. So there's that, yeah, we're, you know, there's we're, so much of shit. Yeah, and somehow people still are like, oh, I don't know if capitalism is bad or, or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not... I'm, if you just look at what's going on and see who is getting really rich right now and who's not seriously and, it's just and not see shit. and not see that there might be an issue there you know what i mean mm-hmm. yep but anyways you know yeah so tiff is virtual all film festivals are virtual right now that makes sense you know if you're someone with like a gigantic tv then it's probably a little bit better yeah but you know, our TV is regular, so, you know, some movies are not as fun to watch as on, on the theater, and, you oh, know... Oh, I need to take this time, I need to do two things. One, I, I just want it on record, I never thanked you officially for putting me onto Joe Para years ago, uh, because I want to say that for all those right now who are having a tough time, and I know this seems like kind of dumb... But Joe Parent talks with you, watching that show, especially like by myself at night, like my like my wife goes to sleep, like it is a really soothing show. And for, yeah. you know, just a couple of seconds or maybe a couple of minutes, it does make you, you know, like there's so many things, like it's not just this, this, this show, but as long as you find something in something, that's what matters in this. And, and the show really does kind of make me appreciate like wholesome, good-hearted, 
well-meaning people. Like, that's the whole mm -hmm. thing. Like, that's one of the things about the show is, like, you keep watching. And a lot, and, you know, there's occasionally, like, surreal random stuff happens, but it's just, like, there's no jokes at anyone's expense, right. which, is, which is usually the formula to a lot of comedy, but it's still hilarious. Like, there's all these and characters on the yeah. show where it's, like, I feel like I'm supposed to laugh at these people, but it's, like, but no, I'm not laughing. I'm laughing at the fact that this show is so wholesome, but I keep thinking right. I'm supposed to laugh because you see the Adult Swim logo at the bottom. You know it's connected in roundabout ways to other shows. So it's just like, when's the when are we gonna laugh at someone? And you're really not. It's just you're just no. experiencing it. It's like it's the good part of like the the stereotypes of like Midwestern living. Right. It's and it, so it's like our brand of comedy that we like, but just done in a PG rated setting. Very PG, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Carlo, who put me on to Joe Para, I believe. Oh well then I, I don't think it was Carlo him. Text. That would make sense. No, I put you on. Oh, fair enough. Carlo put me on. And I've thanked Carlo before. Right. I believe he put me on. I don't also, remember, but I think it was him. At this point, any, also at this point, anything with Connor O'Malley, I think he is now the funniest human being alive. He's their neighbor, the the, the husband, yeah. the neighbor from I think you should leave. He's in a couple yes. of like, he just screams a lot, but it's funny when he, when he screams. He's also someone who I didn't realize that's Ad Bryant's husband from SNL. They're married. I, I didn't know that. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't know. But um, yeah, he's so damn funny, and I hope good things continue to happen with his career and he gets more and more pop popular. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't he? Yeah. You know, um, A.D. Bryant also is one of the only funny people on SNL. Yeah. Like... I'm not going to argue that. I mean, when her and Kate McKibben are able to do their thing, mm -hmm. it's really funny. Yeah. I don't know why it's not just them for every single sketch. Sure. I'm sure there's a reason. But anyways, Joe Parra is like Mr. Rogers meets Eric Andre. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think, you know, the movie that we really loved this year, Road Trip. Bad trip. Bad trip, sorry. Yeah. I it, I think one of the reasons it worked was that it wasn't being mean to people. Yeah. It was just, and everybody, I don't know, I, I can't go inside Eric Andre's mind. I don't know if his intention was to make everybody look good, but right. when put to the test in, the, in this movie, the the best of people was brought out. And it's so funny because it's such a contrast from the stand-up special that he did this year too where it's like, you know, and that happens with people, all artists, you do something great and then the same, at the same year you do something not so great, but, uh... Oh, yeah, have, we, have we... Have we talked about Legalize Everything? Vaguely. I, it was one thing we were going to talk about it more, but I was like, I couldn't even finish this. And then I think you hadn't watched it by that time because my mm -hmm. unenthusiasm towards it, you were just like, oh, well, never mind. We won't do an episode about it. It, it just wasn't funny. And not in a, like, not, there's nothing offensive. It's just like the humor to me just didn't land. 
He, yeah, he's also watched, a guy. He's like, I mean, I, I know this has been said a million times. He's an and Andy Kaufman guy where it's like, I'm not about his stand-up. Although when Andy Kaufman did stand-up, he really went there and would just like not yeah, try to a, do bits. He would, you know, like literally, he would read War and Peace or The Great Gatsby for an entire I mean, set. And, and, and Eric you know. Andre's stand-up, he, he didn't go to the performance art aspect enough. No, he's too traditional. When he's a stand-up, he's, he's a lot, he's very traditional-ish when it comes to stand-up. You, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, so I thought it was fine. Yeah. I thought there was a bit where he is reading text messages he had with an ex or something that I thought was really inappropriate and childish. Mm -hmm. And there was just like, him talking about like doing drugs a lot and yeah it just was it was it was okay yeah. and yeah and this is coming from two people who think eric andre is one of the funniest t tv shows ever absolutely so so us saying like you know you and i don't stand stuff if we don't need to no absolutely not. and in fact i think Sometimes, oh, definitely, I have blind spots to people I stand. So, the fact that I didn't like it really should show you that. Yeah. Don't don't worry about this one. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Just true. Yeah. Oh, speaking of a surreal, funny stuff. I saw a movie at your recommendation this week. <laughs> yeah. So you you've been trying. What's what's so funny? Now you just shat on it <laughs> politely. That was a try. No, I didn't even get your transition until I was like, oh, yeah. I I'm so. I love this I movie, didn't... by the way. I watched it again recently for this podcast. Yeah, a lot, let me say sure. what it's called and stuff and sure. defend that I didn't actually just say that I didn't like it. Sure. Um, so, um, Quentin Dupieux, yes. who is a French director, but I know, and maybe some people know better as the the DJ French electronic musician Mr. Oizo. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that they were the same people. Wait, till when? Till you were like, oh, that's Mr. Oizo. But like recently? Yeah, like this, like this month. Oh, oh, I thought like because I thought you would know, like Rubber, Wrong Cops, Reality, all those movies. No, I, I, I didn't. I didn't know those movies were directed by oh, Mr. Oizo. I didn't know you knew, didn't know that. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I was just like, oh, it's directed by this French dude. Yeah. And there's great music in it. Yeah, which, I didn't which make now the makes connection. a lot of sense. Correct. Although the soundtrack to, this, to the movie of discussion was more like old school, like sample bait, like it was other people's music. It was more a soundtrack, not a score. But anyway. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. So like Mr. Oizo... Like, if you're really into... He's, like... he He's part of, like, Ed Banger Records, which was yeah. a really big um, electronic music label in the early aughts. Mm -hmm. uh, DJ Meddy, Rest in Peace, uh, Feeds, Uffy. 
who's like this white rapper lady who had a big had a big indie hit you know so they you know was para one done with them or is that just they're, he's just adjacent i think adjacent but i oh, don't know okay like so i'm not gonna lie ed banger records was a lane that wasn't my favorite so i wasn't on like every single every single release mm-hmm. though like I thought for a second that Justice was going to be gigantic. They were but for a second, but once they like, were, 2009, but... 2010 hit, it seemed like it was kind of over. Yeah. Well, there, I thought there was like a time where I like Justice was going to be the next Daft Punk, but I think right, maybe they were just right, too... Right, right. Maybe they were just too close in similarity or something. Right. Yeah. And didn't didn't change the lane because like, RJD2, when he came out, his relationship to, to the music of DJ Shadow was palpable. Yeah. People were like, oh, Dead Ringer is like the sequel to introducing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, he well, changed that, that, his that, lane. Yeah, I just want to... That's what people said. I, I don't necessarily Right, I'm saying that. people said that. I'm talking about the listeners. I'm talking about just so listeners don't uh, get it. I'm, I, DJ Shadow is my Desert Island artist, so I get very weird about stuff. I take all the stuff. Yeah, He's good. Yeah. The good, the mid, and the bad. I take you've, it all. You've, yeah, you've, you've said this like a gazillion times. I think yeah. it's very clear that this show, you and I are both incredibly uh, in, influenced and inspired by DJ Shadow. Absolutely. And I, I buy all of his albums. So do I. And yeah. they're all different. And so I'm not saying that Deadbringer to me, was a sequel to Introducing. I'm saying, like, if you wanted DJ Shadow to make more music like Introducing, which he defiantly didn't, this album is one of the better Introducing, quote-unquote, clones. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. But what I'm saying, though, is that RJD2 moved into a different lane. Justice's music sort of stayed in that lane, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. And... But, like, Mr. Oizo, obviously, this also makes sense because he's, he's been compared to DJ Shadow. But also, if you make, if you made instrumental electronic music in, in the past 30 years, at some point you're going to get compared to DJ Shadow or Aphex Twin. Sure, sure. And if you don't, it's almost like, why? So anyway, Mr. Oizo has... I, he may be a more popular director than he is a musician. I think he is. Nowadays. For so, sure. yeah. he made this bizarre movie that you've been telling me to see for a long time. Yes. For not really a long time, because it's only... Well, I think five the movie months, came out March. five months. Okay, I mean, so... Kind of yeah. So, Deerskin, which is now rentable on all platforms for about four bucks... Is, is like a comedy horror, yeah. Um, starring uh, Adele Heinel and Jean de du, du Thank you. Yeah. Um, where like basically the movie is about canceling coats. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Uh, this dude gets this jacket, which, like, which is 
supposedly a deer skin coat. Yeah. There you don't know, and yeah. it's like not even that fly of a coat. It's a fly coat, but it's not that fly of a coat. Right, but he he makes he thinks it like makes him cool, or the term yeah. he uses a lot, killer style. Killer style. And he's very concerned. And, like when he wears the coat, he's very concerned that people see how cool he is. Like there's one scene where he look, he's just as his one was like, "Don't you see this coat I'm wearing? It's killer style. It's like something that, like like a ten year old would say when they get their starter jacket, you know." Exactly. Which I find hilarious, which is just kind of the whole beauty. One of the beauties of that movie is it just shows how, the, when, when you read enough, and the, forget rumors, forget internet-based, you know, gossip. When you read about a lot of directors, you learn how kind of insecure and corny they are. Even the ones who, who try to come off like they're cool or like their movies are cool. Like when you see them or you read about them, it's just like, oh, he's a dork. He's just like, a, he or she is just like an insecure dork. That's kind of concerned about their image, and which yeah. is which this guy very much is, right? And this movie is like, you know, when I first watched it, I wasn't feeling it at all, because mm -hmm. because in my opinion, it takes a little while to get going. Mm -hmm. But then I watched it again, and I was like, oh, this is dope. Oh, cool! It, it kind of reminds me of like a Rick Alverson, like if Rick Alverson had a sense of humor. Which I don't think he does. Um, no, does. I don't think he. I don't think he does. I, I disagree with the comparison. Yeah, well, the, one reason why I compare them so much is like there's even from Eric Wareheim, like there's specific people in the Rick Alverson cinematic universe that have worked with uh, Quentin Dupu So that's one reason why I kind of like there's that kind of Venn diagram deal, and and also I just feel like the kind of like flat, dry yet absurd uh, surreality yeah. kind of flows through both of them. They're not identical. They're like second cousins who, like, keep in touch with each other. Like, that's that. Like that's how I, I relate. So, not not all. Not, like, you speaking, know, all, all of Alverson's films, but some. Yeah. Speaking of second cousins, um, I just found out that my second cousin, Robbie, listens to this podcast. So what up, Robbie? Oh, shout out to Robbie. Also, hi, Doug. Also, Marcus, you ever smoke PCP? Not yet. It's coming. Um, if I do, I'm not going to text you and tell them what, yeah, what I do. Definitely don't text us as you're partaking. No. Uh, I, I don't recommend that. Or I do, I don't know. It's really it's what? really a question. But so, let's let, let me talk a little bit about this movie. Sure. So, it's... I think the reason why it was a little difficult for me to get into it was the the comedy and the style was flat so i had and it's a different language so i think it took me a minute to realize that mm -hmm. and so that's why i i i wound it back and watched it again cuz then i was able to sort of understand it a little bit better mm -hmm. so it's about this guy who you know probably just got a divorce is you know or separated i don't remember exactly mm -hmm. and i think has a psychotic break and thinks this jacket is going to change everything about him mm -hmm. and i i think as you've said before just now and i do get like you think these clothes are gonna gonna help make you but sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't you know i've been i've been obsessed with 
making sure that I look nice in clothing since I was a kid because I was a large kid. And when you're large, as you know, Marcus, oh, tell me about it. You, there is a way to dress that minimizes how large you look, sure, and there, course. and there's a way that accentuates. Yeah. And like both of us being fans of rap music in the '90s, there is a. There, you had to be very careful with how baggy your clothes are when That's you're true. a big guy. Because yeah. if, if it's too tight, it, it doesn't look good. And if it's too baggy, it doesn't look good. There's so some you have to find the rappers who could uh, learn a thing or two. Continue. Yeah. But which is funny because now that, that I've lost some weight, I like tighter fitting clothing. Yeah. And I'm... I'm curious if that is because of, like, my own bragadocchio or, or just, like, maybe it's just more comfortable. But I find these days, aside from very formal wear, yeah. casual wear is just way more comfortable, smaller for me. Yeah. And so I understand this thing that you think you're going to wear this outfit and it's going to make you cool. Mm -hmm. But then you look at pictures and you're like, oh, this was not cool. Sure. Yeah. Like, Saskia showed me this picture from a couple of years ago when I was wearing these very light blue, too tight jeans mm -hmm. and this shepherd jacket. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that I looked so cool. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I basically just looked like a lollipop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because, yeah. like, I was a big guy in mm -hmm. tiny pants. Yeah. And so this guy thinks that this deerskin coat makes him like the coolest dude ever and it's got like a little bit of a wag the dog feel too right yeah well that's another important thing this guy's a filmmaker who can't get his recent film financed so he's gonna do gorilla yeah. style and make his own movie and go off and like you know kind of do his own thing which is another important thing about this film and why adele hanel's character of portrait and a portrait of a lady on fire thing, why uh, her character is so important, you know, to, to to this film also. Right. So he starts like being like, I need to acquire a whole outfit of deer clothing, and he starts making people get rid of their jackets, and starts talking to his jacket. Yeah. And luckily, which I think was a very important style choice, is that. When he talks to his jacket, he mouths the jacket's responses. Yeah. It's not made like, it's not like, oh, is the jacket talking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really glad they did that. I think that was a very important stylistic choice sure. that I'm glad they made. Sure. And so, and then he he makes friends with this local bartender, who's also interested in making movies. Yeah. And they make this pact to make this movie about this guy trying to become the complete man, you know? And he needs all jackets to disappear. Yeah. And, and shit slowly gets really amped up. Yeah, and, and escalated and, and, and whatnot, which is kind of an understatement. Yeah, I mean, it gets... 
There's an element to, um, for those of you, if you liked uh, the film Man Bites Dog, uh, kind of the second half. That's what I meant. The second so half said, of this when film. I said, when I said oh, Wag, Wag the, the Dog. dog. Oh, oh. Well, because said... Wag the Dog is actually in line. Oh, wow. Because Wag the Dog yeah. is in line with this movie also. Oh, you meant oh, yeah, Man, Man right. Bites. It, it is. It's about the wacky side of Filmmaking, filmmaking and, and whatnot. Oh, but yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so when I, when I said Wag the Dog, I meant the oh, French funny. film Man Bites Dog. Belgian. Belgian, they take that very, Belgian people, get, they, they, they get, they get a, 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 especially in film, because it's always about French films. So any from Jean-Claude Van Damme to Chantal Ackerman to Man Bites Dog, they're very protective of like, no, 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 this is ours. Just, just I, I, trust me, I've, I've, I've experienced it. And I get it, but anyway. I don't care. Like, if, <laughs> if that's like, I'm I'm not I'm not so confident in who I am that I can't be criticized. If I get something wrong, I'm like, okay, sure. So I I thought it was a French film. Mm -hmm. You corrected me, and I, I'm moving on from it. <laughs> and I was, in fact, when I said ten minutes ago, when I said the name of the film. I was surprised you weren't like, oh, 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 yeah, totally, totally, totally. And that was because I said the wrong movie. Because I said mm -hmm. Wag the Dog, yeah. which is a strange movie with Dustin Hoffman and Robert De Niro about creating a fake war to get people disinterested in a political controversy that happens. Yeah. A scandal. Um, and that was... In the late 90s, so I think it was yeah. analogous to the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky situation, like, mm -hmm. and, but I think it's a, it, I don't remember if I liked the movie, but I'm sure that you can compare it to these times, and I, not we're not going to become, we're not going to become a conspiracy theory show, but... Mm. If you told me that incidents have been created to divert attention to other things, I would be like, okay. Yeah, and that's not it, but that's not also not it. Others, others would try to call it conspiracy, but that's just, it's just plain as day. There's lots of stuff. There's lots of just fact-based examples of like, oh, you tried to create a diversion so that we wouldn't pay attention to, to this thing, so. Yeah, just, but yeah, that, so. That just is what it is. That just, yeah, so I, what I meant to say was Man Bites Dog, and I think it would be I don't know. I think that movie is incredibly influential. Yeah. Uh, your favorite actor, Shia LaBeouf, made a music video for Kid Cudi and Cage. Oh, shit, he did. I forgot all that, about that. That, is, that basically is Man Bites Dog. Yeah. And obviously, your favorite actor isn't actually Shia LaBeouf. No, it's Kid Cudi. Yeah. Well, Kid Cudi is in a movie that I think we'll be talking about next week. What, he's in a couple. What, what am I, what, what, what am I forgetting? Well, I don't know if you know this yet, but next week we're going to discuss the Bill and Ted trilogy. Oh, right, he is in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you knew that. I, but I didn't. I mean, I was going to see it, so I, I would have been prepared. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Bill and Ted trilogy next week, Ooh. I think. Because uh, I rewatched the first two this week, mm -hmm. and I have thoughts, and it was my I favorite will... this far. We'll see how three plays out. Yeah, I'm. 
two is insane. No, it's super weird. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. it's like... I mean, I'm, they, I'm convinced that movie was trying to do a Gremlins 2 in that the first Bill and Ted was super popular and I'm sure there were plans early on, you know, to make two, three, four, five, six. But some people were just like, ah, we don't want to do that. So let's just make this sequel super crazy and, and, and nuts. And that way no one will want to, you know, continue it. Which is true for, you know... Almost, thir- which like for thirty years, you know, that is true. Same, same with Gremlins, but in a weird way, these sequels killed the franchise, but also became super cult classics and are still loved t- to this day by 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 a, an audience bigger than your casual cult audience. Like Grem- people love Gremlins too, people love Bill and Ted too, but they also yeah, love the fact that it's like oh, they they kind of killed this monster that that could have been, and I kind of respect that. Right. When, because when Bill and Ted Two came out, I I remember people not being into it. No, same they, thing. They, they were same not. thing with Gremlins, yeah. Two, yeah. And, but, yeah, I I want to really focus on that later. Who? So I'm not. I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to to veer out, and I'm also really excited to see you cannot kill David Arquette. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, I am too. Because that's a yeah, like so. I didn't, I didn't. So I knew about the timeline that this movie was yeah. based on. I didn't know until Scott let me know that they were making a documentary about it. Right. Which is weird because I had been following David Arquette's indie wrestling. I didn't know it was yeah. gonna, you know, they were gonna make a movie about it because it's this whole story, and, and it, it's crazy because it goes back. What? Yeah. So twenty-one. It, it's a twenty-one-year-long story, essentially. So for for our fans who are like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. David Arquette, the actor of the Arquette family, in the year two thousand, to promote his movie with Scott Con, Ready to Rumble, mm-hmm. became the WCW, have, like the main champion. Yeah. Many people say that this is the death knell for WCW, and there's a lot of arguments to prove the case. Yeah, I mean, there, WC- like there's, there, there's multiple nails, but that that might be top two or top or top three. I'm saying, like, yeah. you know, nothing. Things don't die in a vacuum. Yeah. So there were other there are other things that oh, yeah. that happened, but that was like one of the big ones because yeah. prior to that, WCW was was really doing some great stuff. The yeah. NWO stuff really really made them for a short time the the popular game in town yeah. and then the attitude era on the WWF happened and then they took it back cuz that yeah. that stuff was just so exciting yeah and so David Arquette becomes the champion people hate him and he never became like super duper successful you know he was in the Scream movies, which are huge, mm-hmm. but, and he was in a weird movie, which I think we've talked about before on the show, something fish, sleep with fishes, or dream with fishes, or something. Oh, I don't, I don't know. It's, I remember it being really good, but in, in hindsight, I have a feeling that it's ultra problematic now. Oh, all but, right, I'll have to, I, I don't remember. You know, I, I do want to back up real quick and say, what another thing that was that ended up being kind of cool about the David Arquette thing was that 
in the early dream, dream with the fishes. Oh, I have to look that up. But but in the it's early good. in the early mid two thousands, when shoot interviews started to become really popular, almost every wrestler when they who like WCW franchise type wrestler who gave a shoot interview, they did clear up and they were just like, no, this guy Vince Russo who was running WCW at the time, it was his idea. They were just like, yeah, it sucked and we, and we fucking hated it. But we don't hate David Arquette. He was an actor. He he was doing what he was paid for. Like, and I thought that was really cool. Everyone from like from Kevin Nash to Scott Hall to like whoever they were just like actually David Arquette was super nice, super respectful in the locker room. So, when, but when he won the championship, yeah, it was definitely a smack yeah. to our face. But he didn't book the idea. Like it wasn't in his idea. No. And I thought that was no. Cool and if you pre pre if you, internet pop, pop popularity, it was yeah. it was thought that wrestlers hated David Arquette, and they all kind of cleared it up, which I thought was no. Amazing. I think res- oh, oh. wrestling fans hated David Arquette. No, they did. Wrestling. But then once those shoot interviews came out, the wrestling fans looked. They were just like. Oh well, when Kevin Nash puts it that way, when X Pac yeah. puts it that way, okay, we're sorry, D- D- David Arquette, and they accept right. him, which kind of led, you, which leads to this document with with the goings on in this documentary, right? And if you if you watch the show that we've recommended a couple times, Vice's show about wrestling, yeah, what's it called again? I don't know. Why? Dark Side of the Ring. Dark Side of the Ring. Mm-hmm. So if you watch that, and again, like. I'm one twentieth of the wrestling fan Marcus's, but I I enjoy it. And Dark Side of the Ring is a very excessive. No, no. Yeah. Well, it's not made. It's not made for me. And I'm not. And, and what's crazy to think is there's wrestling fan like actual historians. So I'm not the wrestling fan that that, that others are. No. I mean, Dark Side it's of the Ring very, is made for folks like you or people who b- don't even watch wrestling. Like my no, I'm saying my wife loves the it, reason. You know, the reason why it's good is that you can show it to people. Unlike me, who yeah. have very oh, yeah. little literacy of wrestling, yep. and they're like, "Oh, this is good." Yeah. And if you watch, it really seems like Vince Russo killed wrestling. I, I mean, and not people. He killed people, WCW. He, people really hate him. There's that one guy who's like, "I am gonna live long enough to piss on your grave." Jim Cornette. Yeah. Finish Jim Cornette. I, but 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 here's another thing too. And uh, goddamn, I do not want. To, it seemed like I'm defending Vince Russo. However, he was one of the top, super, super top architects of the Attitude Era before going to WCW. So it's kind of like, you can hate him, and I'm not going to say don't, but at the same time, a lot of like Rock, Stone Cold, Mankind, a lot of that stuff was birthed with his help. So it's kind of like, you know, he almost, I'm not going to insult a guy like this, but he, he did something great and he did something terrible. So it's like, right. yeah. you, 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 you can't not, yeah, like you can't not let out, even though sometimes he takes a little more credit than I think he should for, I mean, The Rock is still The Rock, Stone Cold still, it's like, they still exist, they still have to do what they do, but they wouldn't have been given a platform had it not been for Vince Russo and others as well, so, but still, yeah, w- w- WCW could have still been around today had he not did the things that, 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 that he did. Yeah. Which is all to say that Dave Arquette a couple years ago gets back into wrestling and gets into like hardcore wrestling. Super hardcore. Super hardcore. And and then out of nowhere, like this documentary comes out like this week. I saw a trailer and I was like, yo, Marcus probably is really excited about this movie. 
I send him a trailer like, yo, how come you didn't tell me about this, blah, blah, blah. And Mark is like, I didn't know about this. Yeah, I didn't even know. Which is weird that this is the world in, in COVID times. You might not even know about movies that, that's, that are totally in your lane. Sure. This is a movie designed for people like you and I. Yep. And I just found it randomly. And yeah. I'll probably rent it. And, yeah, so, man, we are specifically having trouble staying on topic this week, but I don't care if people like us or not. Or, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Deer deer skin, to to close up, Mm -hmm. because we were talking about Man Bites Dog, which is a Belgian Mm -hmm. mockumentary Mm -hmm. about these filmmakers following a killer and then the murky cross of getting involved in the what you're working on which really should be i mean i'm sure in some film studies classes it is because it's like now long before covid i've been really obsessed with certain specific reality shows and when you learn the inside baseball it's not that different because in Man Bites Dog, whatever spoilers, you've had 28 years to see that movie. There's certain element, it, it just slowly progresses where it's like they just filmed this serial killer killing people, but then it's like, hey, the lighting's bad. Can you help me drag this body into the lighting so it looks good? And then it's like, hey, can you hold this guy down while I kill him? So slowly the filmmakers help this guy kill people so it looks good for the documentary, where it's just like in reality TV and in documentaries too, where it's just like, Okay, we got it. Can you guys argue again so we can get it from this angle? Or it's like, hey, or like, you know, off camera, the producers are, are like, will take the social media to kind of like stir up beef between cast members. So, but when Man Bites Dog came out in the very early 90s, in 92, we thought that, you know, things like the real world were, it, this was the purest thing ever. Like, there, there's no, it just is what it is. Like, there's, there, there's no fiddling behind the scenes when there probably was not to the extent that it happens today but but still so i think without realizing man bites dog kind of like pulled the curtain back on like reality based i'm using air quotes reality uh based stuff right because it's not it's not a documentary though it presents itself like that and it's it's very the way it's filmed like it feels very real there's still people saying like when they first like if you saw the Blair Witch Project before right, 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 right. yeah, there are people that really thought that was a documentary yeah so it was some of the best there. marketing ever because remember they made yeah. that uh, when the Sci-Fi Channel was early in the game the makers of the Blair Witch Project went as far as to make a feature length long fake documentary about the uh, history of the Blair Witch and I remember I was in right. high school that, and we were just like, oh, so this is real. Like, I was 17 years old and I was like, normally you smarten up to certain stuff. Like, I, at that point, I knew wrestling was predetermined. I knew certain things weren't real. But when it came to the Blair Witch, it was like, oh, no, no, no. This is like a real thing. So. Yeah. So, like, and also, you know, 20, 20 something years ago, the internet was a very different place. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. finding information you. The information was there, but it was harder to trust. There wasn't citation. There wasn't, you know. Yeah. It was still like list serves in forums. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was harder to tell what was going on, what was real, what was fake. 
so it was easier to perform a kayfabe like sci-fi did with the Blair Witch Project mm -hmm. which they did a really great job of like you can you can criticize the quality of the movie if you want mm -hmm. but their ability to like do what they did is brilliant yeah and I don't and then they made a very strange sequel yeah that that was like why yeah well because why sure but why also because it's like Blair Witch made so much money and it costs right. a little that it was just like, oh, oh it's a phenomenon we gotta make this sequel and I'm not and that's you know I'm sure you feel the same way I'm, I would I'm not opposed to a Blair Witch sequel I just wish they could have took their time and made it good like they, they could have upped the ante and still made it in the style of like, oh no, this is reality. But like, like what was that Nightmare on Elm Street where like the actors in the first movie played their real selves in the movie? Um, I don't know. I I, I forgot the final movie. nightmare. I think or which, new, which new was... final nightmare. Yeah, and it's just like, I think the, the the Blair Witch folks could have done that because what's weird is the actors and that that was all their first time acting in any kind of major yeah. role they all went on to be in like little th well you know for example the guy one of the guys is the stalker from unsane he he's one of the three blair witch pe people you know what i'm saying so they oh, all yeah. yeah he just gained a little weight he's not as skinny anymore but that's it yeah so it's kind of like these people went on to like the other guy was in a bunch of svu stuff the girl was in a road trip like they, they would just show up so it's kind of like they had somewhat of a career afterwards so they could have come back played themselves yeah i don't know but yeah, I, th no, I think it was a missed be... opportunity it was a missed, a, a missed opportunity yeah but even like the new nightmare was a missed opportunity like the the plot was so cool mm -hmm. and the movie was just okay yeah yeah agreed because the idea the yeah you you know me i really like when when you know there's tie-ins with with questioning reality mm-hmm yeah. So that's just that's just what I like. Yeah. So I just thought that was there again, I just thought it was like uh a missed opportunity. Yeah. That's all. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do. Um Although speaking I of, like, of, of of oh, I was gonna try to transition. <laughs> I feel like I feel like um Heather Donahue, who was in who is the star of Blair Witch Project? Mm -hmm. Was in was in a movie that I just don't remember, but mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I uh, yeah, help help. Let's let's transition. No, I was going to be yeah. like speaking of horror films, and then right. we're supposed to. <laughs> yeah. um, you had me watch a, a horror film. Uh, well, actually, I've, I've watched it twice in the last. Uh, couple of days because it's only like 80 minutes so it's like yeah it's like really easy it's really easy to get into yeah um yeah so the other day i was checking in on um justin Benson and aaron moorhead to see what they were up to because they um they're the they're the directorial team for the the endless movie okay. that i really liked that i made you see recently do you remember that movie? Which you one? Seen, you saw it. The Endless? The Endless. What? You, you saw it. Two, two brothers 
who were in a oh a cult yeah and they went Cthulhu yeah, yeah, death yeah, cult yes, yes 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 come back to visit the Cthulhu yes, death cult yes yes and yeah hilarity ensues yeah huh um and I really liked it and you thought it was okay yeah and our buddy um, B Cornish had them on his show yeah. which was pretty cool yeah. And they also did the movies Resolution in Spring and another movie, Synchronic, which I don't think has come out yet. It, it premiered at TIFF, but I'm but it hasn't had its its release yet. And mm -hmm. um they're they're moving up in the world because Anthony Mackey is in it. So nice. well, good for them. So they're they're making some cause I could see them really doing bigger budget movies really cool if they're allowed to do their thing mm -hmm. so anyway they produced this movie after midnight so they're they're a director duo and they produced this movie which was also made by a director duo uh, jeremy gardner and Kristen stella mm -hmm. and it's starring jeremy gardner and bria grant and it's called after midnight i'm not sure if i said that it was called after midnight mm -hmm. and it's like a dark comedy and also a romantic monster film. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at times I forgot, and I'm not that this is, if anything, it's kind of a cool thing. I forgot the horror element at certain points. Because, you know, at the end of the day, this is mostly a relationship film. So much so that, that the relationship scenes and the relationship stuff took me out of the horror stuff. Except, you know, eventually it would go back. Like, that then there, there would be scenes where, you know, he's on his couch barricading the door with the shotgun holding the door. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's this creature outside. But other, but outside of that, it's like, oh, this is just about the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs of a long-term relationship. And, you know... Yeah, so just fun. to give a little, like... Because sometimes we go into the how the sausage is made without describing the, the meal. Mm -hmm. um, so, basically, the background is... You start through flashbacks. You see this relationship deteriorate mm -hmm. as as this as the woman in this relationship disappears for a few days, and this guy is left in his family home and thinks that a monster at night is coming to get him. Yeah, and and it's very unclear the how whether he's losing his mind or not oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, 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 absolutely so i will say that if you like the movie entrance by our buddies mm -hmm. um who were on our show recently yeah uh then you will you might like this one as well this is in the same vein for sure it's yeah and yeah, so so so, it what it does is that it kind of keeps its as you said it keeps its horror part and its romantic part kind of separate. Yeah, and I think that was really cool. Yeah, very much so. Well, yeah, until the very end, which is great. But uh, before exactly. then, it's a very compartmentalized movie. Even yeah. the humor, even like the the, the lighthearted, funny stuff is separate so there's almost like a third layer that like it's like an ice cube tray to to, to to some degree and a lot of the comic relief is oh i forgot the guy's name but from um your pretty little face is going to hell on uh 
Cartoon Network. The guy with the beard, his 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 his, his friend. Yeah, or I don't his remember. Cousin, the... I think is his friend or his cousin, but yeah. I mean, it's like a small town, so like yeah. people people all know each other. Right. And there's a really funny scene involving Lisa Loeb karaoke. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I just I don't know. I really like this movie, dude. It is. It's good. I think it's one of those things where early on, it's just like, okay, this is kind of a horror movie, but the horror element of this movie is commentary on other stuff, like relationship stuff and yada yada, but it, but it doesn't do it in a like, I don't know. I, I, I like how it's, how it's executed. I said this before, like I've watched it twice in two days, you know, so it's, I, I, I dig it. Yeah, it, I think it's, it's on... Um, I think it's free on streaming services for a limited time if you're listening Amazon to... Amazon Prime specifically, yeah. Yeah, if you're listening to this show as it's happening. They also it, do They also do the whole, like, alien thing. Well, Alien's not the only or first movie to do this, where it's just, like, only little glimpses of... Barely, actually, you know what I'm saying, until a certain point. But even when a certain point comes, and this is giving nothing away, because even I was just like... I remember in my head the first time I watched it, it's like, wait, isn't this a horrible? Oh shit! Like you know, like it, like in the, the climactic thing, I was like, oh, is this thing gone? I guess it. Oh, there it is. Like, I, I, and and even though I said that, you won't even see it coming, which 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 I like. Yeah, because as things progress, because at you know, for me at first, I'm like, oh. The monster is the relationship, or like the monster. The monster is his ex girlfriend. I don't know, because it's like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You just see this relationship go from the promise of something great to j just like whimpering away. Yeah, and I think, I think, I think, quote unquote, genre movies do their movies a great service when they treat it when they treat human interactions from from a personal thing yeah. making it complex mm -hmm. um like if you look at edgar wright's trilogy of of english genre comedy films mm -hmm. what for me what really makes them powerful is the relationships Absolutely, the friendships, the mother, the 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 parent, the parental, child relationships, all of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just in case I again, we're we're referencing the the films um, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End mm -hmm. by Edgar Wright. Yeah, and that's it's like it. Forms a trilogy. I don't remember what the trilogy's called, but it's, it's called like Cornetto. Something three like that. Flavors Cornetto trilogy. Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's like it's like uh, you know those sort of trilogies that are like spiritual. They're not actual. Mm -hmm. Um. And they're they're really good movies that take the genre that they're working in and add comedy to it in a way that feels real and good and again the relationships make it make it real and make you feel good about it yeah and yeah so 
what made this movie really interesting was if you didn't know about the horror aspect of it, you're like, oh, this is just a, you know, movie about a relationship gone bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And, you know, another thing, they, they, they didn't, like, take the, like, the, 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 the softball swing at, like, you have this, literally, you have this big country house in the middle of nowhere, and that's not even the scary part of the movie. It's just like, oh, this guy, he's alone in his house. There's no creepy kid. The house itself isn't haunted. Like, there's so many, like, easy avenues that it could have went and it did otherwise. I'm not saying every film that doesn't take the obvious route should get pat, should get a pat on the back, but there is a huge, like, indie kind of horror surge right right now, and this movie, in, in my opinion, of, of, of what I've seen, kind of, like, stands apart from it. This is also a movie where it just kind of falls in line with, like, you know, a dark song, among other, you know, like, the Horvath films and stuff. It, it's one of those kind of movies. One of these kinds of movies. Or one of these kinds of horror movies, I, I, I should say, rather. So, yeah, no, right. I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, and, yeah, it's, like, kind of a... kind of a sleeper. Yeah, very much. I, um, I knew nothing about this movie. Until you recommended it. Yeah. And, um... I actually... I need to wrap up. Okay. But, also... You know what movie I'm really excited to see? What's that? Uh, Possessor from Brandon Cronenberg. Sure. I'm, I'm curious. I've heard from people who've seen it that it's quite good. Okay, I mean the ad, the advertising, the trailer, the the, the, the little pics I've seen of it do look kind of cool. I, I I'm this is one of those things where I think his first one was a total like no judgment. I'm just saying it's just like you're really trying to be your dad with 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 antiviral, but this one looks like he's maybe finding his own voice, which happens. He's he's he's, he's a young guy. He's got that last name. Like there's a lot of stuff that he has to kind of deal with and whatnot. So. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. This one looks like he's kind of trying to do his own thing. Which happens. Like, when you're young, you make your first film, you emulate what, what you know. And in this case, what, what you really know is your father. So it's like, I'm not blaming him for it. N- 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 you know, Nick Cassavetes did, did the same thing. She's So Lovely is literally a John Cassavetes script. It's just like, it's a movie his dad was trying to get made before he died. And then after he made that and a couple of others, it's like, you know, no, I want to make, like, The Notebook and Alpha Dog. I'm not my dad. Yeah. But it it worked. I thought She's So Lovely is probably his best movie, so I don't know. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It is. But, hey, man, I got to get going. Okay. So, yeah, next week, Bill and Ted. 